Hello, welcome to the Hope Knoxville Sermon and Teaching Podcast. We are a family of small, Jesus-centered communities that meet in homes throughout the city of Knoxville, Tennessee. Our desire is to help people to know Jesus, His mission, and how He invites us to participate in it. Our communities come together on Sundays for a time of worship, teaching, and conversation. In this podcast, you will hear a teaching from one of those gatherings. I hope you enjoy it, and most importantly, I hope it helps you to see Jesus in a new way. To learn more, please visit hopenoxville.org. Thanks for listening. Well, I hope you're doing well this morning. I know it's been a crazy few weeks for us, and uh, today I want to kind of go down a path of one telling a story and, and, and painting a picture of it, and we're going to be sc- discussing uh, radical change. Um, Charlie talked about it a little bit last week. We're going to be talking through um, just the, the early beginnings of Paul, who we're going to walk through scripture, is known as Saul. Uh, but I want you to be thinking about, have you ever seen radical change in your life? For uh, Right now, for our family, we're going through what I would say is a radical change, where our oldest has, uh, all in one month, started playing two different sports and starting school, and I, I don't know how to feel about it. Like, I'm excited, but we're radically changing and stepping into a brand new chapter of life that uh, has got me just weird emotional feelings but excitement and then I'm going back and forth and like we don't have our little baby boy Huxley anymore he's growing up this is a a radical change for us we're stepping into a brand new chapter that I feel like you can't really fully prepare for but it's for us it's exciting it's a continuing this crazy life of adventure that uh we love to go through and but on the other hand as as Christians or or believers there's uh, another type of radical life change that we look forward to seeing. And some of us have, have probably seen this firsthand or maybe have gone through this. And that's when we see somebody have like this 180 change in their lifestyle and, and begin following Jesus from a life of just craziness or mess or whatever it may be. And we, we see them turn to Jesus where like everything starts to click. One of these uh, uh, ministries I love to follow on YouTube is called I Am Second. And I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff like recently, but back when I was in college, it was an awesome place to go to and just dive down this rabbit hole of radically uh, changed lives in these testimonies they put out on YouTube. And one of my favorite ones was uh, this guy named Brian Welch, which if you know anything about this guy, he was known as Head from the band Korn. Now, if you're anywhere around my age, you probably have heard a few of the corn songs throughout time. They weren't very Christian at all. But within his testimony, he's talking about this moment where he's just in this crazy moment of brokenness and struggling through drugs and addiction and all this craziness with his daughter in the other room. And Jesus comes in and radically saves him through this moment of just insane brokenness. And it's these stories are ones that like they give me goosebumps and they, they bring in like all these different emotions whether it's like just crazy sadness and then immediate joy and seeing jesus working through these people's lives and 
today we're going to continue kind of that theme where we're seeing a radical life being radically changed in this story not only changed somebody's life but has been changing the world ever since and that this person paul or saul in turn end up changing and shaping a lot of christianity that we see today and in turn also wrote numerous books of the bible so if you got access to a bible your phone or uh, a physical will be in acts 9 this morning but i just want to open up in prayer as you're getting there lord we thank you so much for uh just radically changing our lives whether it's just small radical moments or this big radical life change or maybe that's a moment we're looking forward to lord i pray that you move uh today i pray that you move within our hearts lord i pray that you uh just allow your word to flow and and be spoken through me lord that just a hollow vessel and that i'm able to uh, portray my thoughts uh just over this radical message. Lord, I pray that you'll uh, continue to move through Hope Church in big ways. And I pray that you'll just be with us throughout the rest of this week and that we can be seeking your face. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So picking up in Acts 9, it starts off by saying, but Paul, or but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way or following Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now I want to stop here for a moment because I think if we've been following Jesus for any amount of time or have been around the church, we, we've heard this story before. Where we probably already know that Paul used to be this killer guy, this guy that would go out looking for Christians, wanting to kill people. But I want us to have a a little bit deeper understanding of how evil this person actually was. Like he wasn't just a contract killer, but he was somebody much deeper, much more evil who was seeking out these people for enjoyment. It was something that he wholeheartedly believed in and he wanted to kill Christians. He wanted to uh, drag them through the streets. And we see picking up Uh, If we go back a few chapters to Acts 7, we see this story that Charlie touched on a few weeks ago about this man named Stephen. Now, Stephen was a guy who was preaching the gospel. He was uh, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, knew and understood, and through that was taking it to the extreme, preaching to everybody he possibly could. And he's preaching a salvation message in Jesus and, and enrages this crowd that's around him. In verse 56, it says, And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But those around him cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they rushed together at him. And then they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. The same guy we're talking about in chapter 9. And then just a few verses later in chapter 8, 1 through 4, the Bible tells us that Saul approved of what was going on. He wholeheartedly approved and believed that this was the right thing to do to Stephen who was preaching about Jesus. He approved of the execution. In other words, he enjoyed it. He believed that it was the right thing to do by God and showed no remorse. And then right after that, He immediately begins to ravage the church. Entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. 
See, we know the story about Paul, but are we grasping the evil in this guy's heart? Not only did he enjoy what was going on, but he thought it was the right thing to do. And he was ravaging the church. And then as the church begins to flee, fearing for their lives, the Christians that were in the area spreading out, we pick back up in chapter 9, where we just read, Saul is still breathing threats against the church. So much so that he goes to the high priest to obtain letters so that he can legally now seek out Christians. He wants to drag them out of their houses. He wants to bind them, bound them, arrest them, and drag them through the streets as a parade so that he can show what he's doing. Like this is evil. He's not doing it in secret. But he's wanting people to see what is going on. He was dead set on the belief that he was doing the right thing by God. And that is where we pick up back in verse 3 of chapter 9. It says, Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone all around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you? And I like to insert a few dots right here in like a pause moment. Because he's like, who are you? Lord? Is that, Lord, is that you? And he said, I, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you'll be told what to do. So again, we got a picture of this. He's on his way to arrest Christians. He's got legal letters to be reaching out to destroy this group of people that has now spread throughout different cities. He's going out in search of Christians. And Jesus shows up and knocks him down, blinds him, calls out to him. And Saul says, who, who are you? Like, can you imagine how confusing that moment is? Like, you're the top dog. Nobody will mess with you. And out of nowhere, a light shines. You're knocked to the ground, beyond confused, just looking for answers. But I feel like he's probably got a weird feeling like this is beyond human. Something here is going on. Who are you, Lord? Jesus answers him, tells him, okay, you got to get up. It's time to go into the city. There's something there for you, I, I, and you'll be told what to do. Your next steps are to go into the city. And I want to point out something here. So, Saul is somewhat forcibly meeting Jesus. Jesus shows up in this miracle, but then he's given instructions on what to do next. I want to point out that he meets Jesus, and then he's given some steps to follow. He meets Jesus, and now he has some tasks to complete. But picking back up in verse 7, it says, The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. For they heard the voice, but they did not see anyone. And then Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. So he continued on the road he was already going. The place where he's going to kill, murder, and arrest Christians 
Jesus meets him, blinds him, and tells him to continue on. And for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drink. Dare I say he was blinded by the light. And this is a, a cool story because there's another one throughout Scripture that's kind of similar in a way, but also a lot different. And again, I want to point out before we continue on is that he meets Jesus and Jesus then instructs him to do something. In a story a little bit similar, back in John, we see in, in, in verse 5, it says, As long as I am in the world, this is Jesus speaking, I am the light of the world. See, Saul is hit with light. Jesus refers to him as the light multiple times throughout Scripture. And it says that, Having said these things, he spit on the ground. This is another blind man's story who is asking for his sight to be restored. He's asking for a miracle of Jesus. And Jesus bends down, spits in the ground, makes mud with his saliva, then anoints the man's eyes with that mud. I mean, that's kind of weird, right? I feel like we read through scripture and Jesus does some weird things. This is probably one of the top weird things. And this blind man has no idea what's going on. He just feels mud being put in his eyes. And I feel like everybody watching around him is like, dude, that, he just spit on the ground. And then rubbed it in that guy's eyes. It's disgusting. But then he says to him, Jesus does, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So then he went and he washed and he came back seeing, see this man, just like Saul, meets Jesus and then is instructed to do something. He meets Jesus and then is told to do something. He is asking for this miracle. He meets Jesus and then Jesus tells him to go do something. Instructs him. Back to Acts 9. I know we're jumping all over, but I promise it'll tie together. Acts 9 verse 10, picking back up with the story of Saul, says, Now that there were men, and there was a disciple at Damascus named, named Ananias. And the Lord came to him in a vision and said, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go into the streets called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many, from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on your name. Now, again, let's paint this picture real fast because I feel like I, I can resonate with that a little bit. But then again, Ananias is in a dream, in a vision, speaking with Jesus. And then he kind of starts to argue with him a little bit. He's like, yeah, but this dude, I know this guy. This guy's pure evil. He's trying to kill us. And you want me to go lay my hands on him? Like, I feel like I'd be scared too, but also in the same sense, it's like, dude, you're in a dream talking to Jesus. Show some faith, man. But I feel like he's also got some grounds to stand on. And then Jesus says to him, still in the dream, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. 
So Ananias departed and entered into the house, and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who has appeared to you on the road by which you have came, sent me so that you may regain your sight and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And then he arose, baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. See, this is one of those radical stories that for some reason it just always gives me goosebumps because like, it's, it's crazy to think the most evil person in that time, in that moment, Jesus comes along and says, I, I want him. I want to use him. I'm going to use him to do crazy things in this world. And that always encourages me because I know who I am. And I know how fallible I can be, how bad I can be, how evil at times I can be. And this story tells me I can take faith that Jesus still wants to use me. And he still wants to use you. And the thing that blows my mind about this story is that in verse 20, it says that Saul immediately began preaching and proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues or places of worship. Like he didn't even take a moment to be like, dude, what just happened? But he, it was so real to him. The 180 life change was so real that immediately the next day he's preaching. Could you imagine that you're hearing all these rumors about this guy in Knoxville that's seeking out Christians. He's already killed a bunch. He's already arrested a bunch. And now he's seeking out people that are scattered and meeting in house churches because it's a little bit more quiet and, and we can hide a little bit. And you hear another story on Saturday. He's coming near us this weekend. So on Sunday, we nervously show up to church a little bit late, hoping that we can sneak in the back door and try and hide out a little bit so that we can still partake in church on the weekend. But when we come through that back door, we walk down this alley, we turn the corner, and we see that guy up front preaching the gospel. Could you imagine how crazy that was for those people? This man was trying to kill them yesterday, and today he's preaching the message at church. And that's the stuff that gives me goosebumps, that, that Jesus can change a life from pure evil to being able to preach a gospel message literally in a matter of days, a matter of moments, a matter of seconds, an immediate heart change. Man, this is one of those ones that it, it blows my mind because I don't humanly understand it. In the same way when Jesus was on the cross and he's saying, Lord, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Man, what kind of forgiveness is that? It's hard for me to understand those things because sometimes I get mad at my wife and I don't talk to her for five, six hours. Jesus is in the middle of being hung on a cross and he's like, no, 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 forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. It's one of those stories that continue to give me goosebumps because I know how radical our Jesus is. And he wants to see radical change in our lives. He wants to use you despite who you are. But also going through this story over the last few weeks, something stuck out to me that I feel like I've never seen or never really like, answered or thought through this question but there was this question of what if that just kept coming up 
every time I'd read through the story and then other stories were coming up, like the other blind man, and, and I was like, what, man, what if? See, I kept repeating something. If you guys had noticed where I was talking to, and talking through, these people met Jesus and then Jesus instructed them to do something. And I never looked at it this way before where what if Paul didn't follow through with following Jesus? Would he have remained blind? What if the, the blind man that was asking for a miracle met Jesus and then didn't follow the instructions? Would he have ever gained his sight? Which then dove me to, it caused me to dive in and keep thinking of these things over and over again because when we look in on American Christianity or world Christianity or even just the way our world is working right now, it's like, I wonder how many people have met Jesus but never began to follow. How many people have met Jesus but never followed through with the next steps or the next portions of instruction? See, if they would not have continued on in following the instructions, they never would have partaken in the miracle that happened. The world would drastically look different if Paul, Saul, in this story, had not continued on. See, and I feel like me growing up in church, part of my story was like, our sector of Christianity in Down River, Michigan, south of Detroit, was very big on preaching the gospel message, but then kind of just leaving people there. It was like, we, we got our get out of hell free card, and that's good enough for me. Maybe I'll go to the mall every now and then and pass out tracks. And if you don't know what a track is, it was like this weird, goofy gospel message paper that you just handed people. And you're like, I did my Christian duties. Here, take this. And you never really had conversation or relationship with people. It was like, good, I, I met Jesus. Now I can partake in the politics of church. But in this story, Jesus instructs them to follow through. Instructs them to do something. If you want to partake in these miracles and blessings, you've got to continue to follow these instructions. You've got to continue to follow me. Which again brings me to the question is I wonder how many people are missing out on the blessings and miracles Jesus has to offer because they're not following him. They've met him and that was good enough. But they haven't begun to follow him. How many people have met Jesus, but they're still walking through life blind because they haven't gone and washed in the pool? They haven't followed that next step of getting to know who Jesus is. They know of his miracles. They know of, there was people in scripture that saw him breaking bread and fish and feeding 5,000 people. And then the next day, Jesus challenges them to follow me and they all turn away and left. Why? Because they wanted the miracles, but they didn't want Jesus. I wonder how many people are missing out on the miracles because they won't follow Jesus. They want the salvation, but they don't want the relationship. See, and in closing this morning, I want to kind of bring this again into modern day. It worries me because Given our current state of the world, it makes me continue to ask, man, how many people have met Jesus and it just stopped there? 
with the arguments between different sectors of Christianity within churches, how many of those people have met Jesus and it stopped there and became about politics? And about who's right and who's wrong instead of loving, serving, and following Jesus? How many miracles and blessings have been missed out because people were okay with their get-out-of-hell-free card? See, and I think another misconception is that a lot of people believe that a life after meeting Jesus is supposed to get easy. And I really don't understand where this came from because every single story we see in Scripture, life gets a lot harder. But there's a joy and peace in understanding that nobody can comprehend fully. They're looking towards the future. They're looking towards glory. They're looking towards heaven. And they know that this relationship and salvation in Jesus is so important, so much so that the 11 original disciples all went to their death preaching and proclaiming the gospel, following through, following Jesus. And I don't think we have to go to those crazy lengths because the world's chilled out a little bit. But still in turmoil, I wonder how many Christians have just settled for meeting Jesus and not following into the relationship with him. What would the world look like if we took those next steps, if that we were able to pursue diving into those miracles of radical life change and not just a little bit of change? To where Paul went from murderous killer to one of the top preaching pastors in scripture in a matter of moments. And every single day he got up and followed Jesus. Throughout scripture, he writes numerous testimonies of, man, like I, I still struggle with who I used to be. But I wake up and I follow. I do things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I do want to do, but I'm still following. He mentions that this life is a race that we've got to continue to run, whether it's slow walk or crawl. He's saying, just finish the race. He's saying, continue following Jesus, no matter what ups and downs you're going through in life, continue to follow him, continue to be a disciple, continue to learn and build your relationship with him. Follow his teachings and his instructions for living. So then my final question that I feel like I've been hit with, and maybe you have too a little bit, but my question to myself and also our church is, have you truly begun to follow Jesus? Or are you okay with just the small steps? Have you truly sent out to be in a relationship with Christ and getting to know who he is? Or are we wandering around blind? Are we doing cool humanitarian things, thinking it's the right thing to do, but continuing to lack in our relationship with Christ? See, are we missing out on the miracles Jesus has to offer us because we've settled for just meeting him instead of walking with him? My prayer is that we will continue to walk side by side in his arms, being carried by Jesus throughout life. Not just a, hey, how you doing? And walking the other way. So my prayer is that we will be followers of Jesus and not just people that have met him. Because you can talk a lot about a person you've just met. 
But when you deeply know somebody, it changes your life. And I pray that that's the trajectory we can be on as a church. Father, I pray that, man, I pray that something stood out because I know this is something that has been weighing on me and thinking through these scriptures and being hit with this question is, have I begun to follow you like you have called me to do? Or have I been okay with just meeting and knowing cool things about you? Have I truly begun to see this radical change in my life? Or am I just going through the motions and and saying the right things, doing the right things, but not fully committing? Jesus, I pray that answer is not fully committed. And that I can pick up each day and work harder and harder on getting to know who you are. And I pray as a church that we can be a living, breathing organism within our city of, of, of people who are true disciples launching out of here and making real, true, Christ-following disciples. That we can seek out the hurting and the broken and be a vessel that leads to life change, to radical change and we get to watch those things happen firsthand we get to see your miracles in real time of people's lives being dramatically changed father i pray that this week you lead somebody into our life that is needing you and allow us to have that message for them God, I pray throughout the challenges that we may face this week, this month, the rest of this year, that we be surrounded by people who will encourage us to continue to follow through with your instructions. Continue to follow through with our end of the relationship. That we not only meet you daily, but we walk with you. Father, move in our hearts. I pray these things in Jesus' name. sermon podcast is written and produced by freshly squeezed music you can check them out on spotify apple or wherever you get your music thanks for listening